Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is our number two of The Look Ahead right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Big thanks to everyone that joined me in our number one as we wound up having Dave Tooley on the horn along with Dwayne Colucci. They both do absolutely amazing work. So big thanks to them for joining me there. And here in the second and third hours of The Look Ahead, we're going to have a pair of guys that do great work with our city cast over here in over here on Vison. Joining me as in the second hour, it's gonna be Holden Kushner. He does the Denver City Cast, and you're able to find those podcasts wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, list goes on and on. Obviously, he's a little bit more invested in the Denver Nuggets. So we're gonna get their side of things with regards to the NBA playoffs here in hour number two, hour number three. Ryan Rossine out there in the wonderful city of Philadelphia is gonna be joining me. So we're gonna be able to get that aspect of it here in the next few hours of the show. We're going to be talking a lot of NBA and we're going to be taking a look at what we're going to be getting with regards to the MLB card on Monday as well as my last game just wound up going final as I'm doing this. It was the Boston Red Sox being able to get the job done by kind of 4-3 to three against the New York Yankees. So yet another under to start out the MLB season. But with that said, we now have things set with regards to the playing tournament in the NBA. We're going to dive into a lot of these games right now because when it comes to when we wind up bringing on our guests, None of their teams are in the playing game, so we're going to be taking a little bit more of a look at the futures aspect of things, but it does all get started with what I think might be one of the more intriguing games that we're going to be seeing with regards to the NBA postseason. This is going to be the Cavaliers and the Brooklyn Nets game. This is 501-502 on the betting board. Nets find themselves between an 8, being a straight 8.5 here where I'm at circa as well on this game, Brooklyn Nets being the favorite, and your total anywhere between 229 and 230, and... One of the most profitable things in the NBA this season has been betting against the Brooklyn Nets in pretty much all forms of it. Because with regards to Brooklyn Nets futures coming into the year, they were the number one betting favorite. And and they're still in a lot of books, a top four team with regards to odds to be able to win the title. And I just really don't understand it. Yeah, they do have a lot of talent, but at some point you need to be able to back it up. It's like the good old saying goes, you are what your record says you are. And Well, the record says that Brooklyn was number seven out there in the Eastern Conference this season. So it's been really intriguing to take a look at that aspect of it. And you've got a Cleveland Cavaliers team that when it comes to being able to cover numbers, this has been one of the best teams that we've found in the entirety of the NBA. Now, after the all-star break, things that wind up having a little bit of a fall off with the Cleveland Cavaliers, no doubt the injury to rookie Rubio that wound up hurting them a little bit, but still. A team that has been very much a cash cow for you this season. If you take a look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, so 42, 37, and 3 against the spread, we did wind up seeing that have a little bit of a fall off towards the beginning part of the season, but and certainly better than the Brooklyn Nets clocking in at a 33, 47 with a few pushes as well. As if you're taking a look at fewer covers with regards to the NBA, the only the Utah Jazz, who boy, they were really lighting your money on fire towards back half of the season, wound up doing worse. So. I think that that is something that you do want to be taking a look at. And do I think that the Nets should be able to win this game? Yes. You've got a Cleveland Cavaliers team that 
ever since the last couple months of the season, having that injury to Ricky Rubio and company. They haven't necessarily been the same team. You've still had quite a few guys be able to perform for this bunch, but you just take a look at the Brooklyn Nets, and I think that in every aspect of basketball, just camaraderie and team chemistry is very important. We see it in college basketball all the time. Now, obviously, when it comes to the NBA, it's a little bit less important than it is in college than it is in just a lower form of basketball in general, but you take a look at this team, and they've had one guy that has been there for, at the minimum, all but 10 games of the season. So, wind up playing in, at the very least, 72 games. That would be Petty Mills. He's really been the lone constant for this team all season long because we know that Kyrie was a part-time player for so long. Kevin Durant, he wound up missing north of 25 games this season. List goes on and on of guys that have been all sorts of banged up for this Brooklyn Nets team. So, that is a little bit of an issue. And then you take a look at the Cleveland Cavaliers and... It's been a case of which the there's been a case of which you do have a just guard tandem in general for the Cleveland Cavaliers that they've been in a little bit of flux as well. But with that said, you do have a Cleveland Cavaliers team that even though the defense has not necessarily been there, the offense has still been relatively solid for the team as well. And what I think is going to be very key for them is just being able to have good versatility in this game because they're going up against a Brooklyn Nets team that got what it is. They have been one of the most poor defensively that we've seen in the NBA. That's indicative of the 229 total that you've got here. Darius Garland, he's been able to light it up. He's been able to give you just under 22 points per contest. And Evan Mobley, all year long, he has been very much towards the top of that rookie of the year chase as well. And what I really think goes under the radar for this team as well is what Karius Levert has been doing as well. Because Karius Levert, a guy that has been very well traveled, he has went through quite a bit of things, wound up getting traded at the deadline from the Indiana Pacers ever since he wound up joining this Cleveland Cavaliers team hasn't necessarily been the same as he was with the Indiana Pacers with the Pacers right around 19 points per contest here with Cleveland more around 14 points per game so you got to figure that they're going to try to be able to get him going a little bit more in this game as well obviously you've got Kevin Durant on the flip side for the Brooklyn Nets he's been able to do great things but how many times this year haven't we seen it where you wind up having Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving combined for like 70 points. You go back to that game against the Atlanta Hawks about a week or so ago. Kevin Durant wound up having a double nickel in that game, and they still wound up losing to the Atlanta Hawks. So it's just become a case in which you've got your two constants for this team, and then what are you going to be able to get out of Andre Drummond other than rebounds? Is someone like a Nick Claxton going to be able to come in off the bench? Is he going to be productive? Patty Mills has been there all season long, but he does a solid job of being able to shoot threes. Doesn't necessarily do a lot for you as well. I know that Dave in the first hour said that he was going to be on the Brooklyn Nets. That's the only way I'd be looking as well. And when it comes to NBA as well, I always advocate for this. If you don't like what you're seeing early, don't feel bashful about going in-game as well. Now, it's a case in which you don't want to just haphazardly fire in and be like, oh, this team is 5 of 7 from the floor. This team is 1 of 7. Team that's 1 of 7 is automatically going to be able to find it or anything like that. Don't wind up taking that aspect of it. Have a little bit of a plan going in. Do a little bit of research. It's not one of those cases in which you just wind up watching five minutes and you just wind up firing on the team that's down. But do have that in the back of your mind as well. Because with regards to the NBA especially, there's just so much volatility in these games. And being able to find a better number in-game is very, very good in my opinion. And I think that this is the best way to be able to utilize in-game is in the NBA rather than, I would say, pretty much any other sport. So that's where we're looking there. And then the other game that we're going to be having for Tuesday is going to be the Clippers versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. 5-3, 5-4 on the betting board if you're looking at that. And 
This number is settled in at two and a half with the Minnesota Timberwolves being the favorite and your total is anywhere between 230 and 231. So we've got another relatively high total in this game as well. And when it comes to what we've been seeing out of the Clippers, certainly it's been a intriguing team this year to say the least. No question, not having Kawhi Leonard for the entirety of the season. Goes for a little bit of, I guess you'd call it angst with regards to this team. How are you going to be able to just be able to navigate all these landmines. By the way, if you're taking a look at what they wind up doing on Sunday, just completely pulverizing the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's just a very embarrassing performance there for the Thunder. But with that said, when it comes to this LA Clippers team, I think the biggest constant that you've had all season for you has been Reggie Jackson, ironically enough. Mr. October has been able to perform in the winter and spring months for this team. Right around 17 points per contest. A guy that has been just dealing with some injuries in general. And it looks like there's a chance that he might wind up missing this game as well because he was out for that game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, I would expect him to be good to go for this one. I think that they were probably just trying to give him a little bit of rest in that game against OKC. But it is something that you do want to look at moving forward because in his last 10 games, we have seen a little bit of a dip in his three-point shooting percentage. Last 10 games has only been able to bury right around 28% of his three, so you want him at full force, if at all humanly possible, in this game against the Minnesota Timberwolves because Carl Anthony Towns, well, he's been running the Towns for this for this Timberwolves team. I mean, you just take a look at the numbers that he's been able to put up in recent days. He's been able to give you a double-double in four out of the last five games, and the one game in which he didn't wind up having a double-double, well, he wound up having nine rebounds in that contest. You may recall... A little bit later on in the month of March, wound up having that massive 60-point performance against the San Antonio Spurs. And just in general, when you wind up facing off a team like the Clippers, it's just all about being able to get things going a little bit more down low because this is a Clippers team that they don't necessarily do the world's greatest job of being able to hit the glass. It's a Timberwolves team that they've had all the potential for so many years. They've been able to stockpile all these picks together. They've made some moves that, shall we say, have set the organization back a little bit more, but they seem to have finally been able to find that blend that should be able to take them a little bit more over the top as 46 wins this season for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think that you're going to take that any day of the year. And what has also been a nice aspect for this team as well, Anthony Edwards really being able to come into his own. You may recall him coming out of Georgia. He was a very solid scorer, but he really didn't do a whole heck of a lot else. He was able to give you a couple of assists at Georgia, but that was a Bulldog team that, They were unable to make the NCAA tournament. He was coached by Tom Crean. So, I mean, that explains a lot right there as to why there might have been some struggles a little bit early on. But towards the back half of last season, he was really able to come into his own. And this year, he's really been able to continue moving that forward. And you just take a look no further than Thursday. Him being able to put up 49 points, that shows you the ability that he winds up having. He's become a better shooter in general as well. He's been taking more smart shots. And that was really the knock on him that you wind up having coming into just the NBA in general. Big knock that he wound up having on him in his rookie season as well. He just went into the mode in which he thought that a bad shot for him was going to be better than a good shot for someone else. Now he's been able to do a better job of really reining it in, and he's become a better shooter in general as well. So it's really two-pronged with that approach. But take a look at this Minnesota Timberwolves team. I do like what I've been seeing out of them a little bit more down the stretch. And when you've got a guy like Carl Anthony Towns that is able to just completely take over a game, it is going to lead to a little bit of a doomsday scenario for Clippers team in which you thought that they were going to be able to have a lot of depth coming into the season and it just hasn't necessarily come into fruition for this team it's been a team that has been rather banged up they haven't been able to do a good job down low so I do think that this is going to be a little bit more of a favorable spot for the favorite I'm 
just not willing to lay that many points with the Nets. But when it comes to the Minnesota Timberwolves, I feel comfortable laying a two and a half number. And once again, always take a look at some of your in-game possibilities as well. And coming up next, we've got some NBA that's going to be on the books within the next few days. But on Monday, we've got a lot of MLB that is going to be going on as well. So we're going to be diving into that next right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. We're back here on the look at on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, and we've got a lot of great action to be able to take a look at in the first segment. We wound up hitting the NBA play in games that we're going to be seeing on Tuesday. Now, about if we wind up taking a look at a little bit of what we're going to be getting on Monday, because NBA going to be on hiatus for Monday, but with that said, Got a lot on the ball diamond as the baseball season now back in full force. You're going to have a couple teams that are going to be winding up finishing off the series that they wound up having to lead off the year, like Pirates versus Cardinals. That's a series that is going to be continuing. And I do believe that we've got a series or two other as well that we're going to be seeing as well. But most of these series, they are starting to wrap up. The other one is the Guardians versus the Royals. They've got one game remaining as well. But when it comes to interleague play, that is always very fascinating. And we have quite a few interleague games that are going to be going down this week. And for DK Nation, I always wind up writing up one of these games. I don't have room for any more than one, but we always have room for one. So how about if we wind up hitting this one? 971, 972 on the betting board. You've got the Rangers taking on the Colorado Rockies. Rockies are going to be sending Austin Gomber to the mound. And Taylor Hearn is going to be going for the Texas Rangers. And we've seen the money coming on the Rangers. At DraftKings, this wound up opening up minus 110 both ways. Now you've seen it to where the Texas Rangers find themselves more of a minus 130 favorite. So the differential I add on this game is a little bit more evaporated. I want to making this a little bit more of a minus 140 line with regards to the Texas Rangers on the money line. But I still do like the Rangers at this number. You take a look at Taylor Hearn and he didn't necessarily light the world on fire last season, but certainly was capable towards back half of the season. Wanted to belong three runs or fewer and 17 out of his last 19 pitching appearance, four and four record with a 408 ERA. And Going up against a guy in Austin Gomber that he, much like the rest of the Colorado Rockies, has some very demonstrative home and road splits as he had an ERA of 209 at Coors and a 622 ERA on the road. And taking a look at things like this is always really intriguing because as we know, Coors Field, it is very much at elevation. It's just a weird place to play in general. You always see those airbrain totals and you want him getting it over on Sunday as well. A total of 12 with Julio Rios. Being in the mound is typically something that you don't wind up finding, and yet somehow, some way, it was able to get there. But you do take a look at this Rocky team, and just with regards to trying to acclimate to not being at elevation, that is always something that I feel like is worth fading because when it comes to Colorado Rockies, it feels like game one when they wind up starting up a road trip, it's always, always a little bit more difficult for them. And you notice that with teams that wind up visiting Coors Field as well. The LA Dodgers are not going to be in action on Monday, but Come Tuesday, that might be a little bit of something to factor into your handicap. Now, it's not a case of which I think that if I think like the Dodgers should be like a $2 favorite and it says it's even money, it's not like, oh, well, we're going to have this big of a, we're going to have to make this big of an adjustment because they're going away from Coors Field or anything like that, but it should be worth something. Just the aspect of travel, the aspect of going down from elevation, and it really showed with the Colorado Rockies last season because with the Rockies, they wound up going 
26 and 54 away from home last season. Meanwhile, they were one of the most dominant teams in all of baseball at home last season as well. But if you take a look at the Texas Rangers team as well, they were really a bad offense last year. After the All-Star break, they were by far the worst team in all of baseball when it comes to home runs and just runs per game. But they wound up entering into the offseason a pair of guys that I think are really going to be able to fortify this team. Corey Seager who wound up hitting a 300 while he was with the Dodgers last season and just overall for his career. He was a little bit banged up last season. Has always been a very consistent hitter whenever he's been able to stay out there. And then Marcus Simeon, a guy that wound up hitting 45 home runs last season with the Blue Jays. And if you're able to get some of these other guys going, like an Adolis Garcia, who wound up being an all-star last season, wound up getting off to a really hot start first two months of the season, wound up waning after that. It's going to be very beneficial for this Rangers team. And then with the Colorado Rockies, with regards to the biggest fall off, with regards to runs per game home to road, they were by far tops with that regard. Because you take a look at the Rockies at home, in terms of teams in the National League, they were number one in terms of runs per game at home. Meanwhile, on the road, they were second worst in all of baseball. Wound up averaging right around 5.6 runs per game at home, three and a half on the road. Now, you've got a couple signings with the Colorado Rockies as well. The most notable one, Chris Bryant. They probably overpaid for him. Not going to lie there. And then you also take a look at the bullpen aspect of things as well. Colorado Rockies, bottom five in the league with regards to bullpen ERA. And uh, I know that a lot of people like to hate on the Texas Rangers bullpen, but look no further than what they wound up being able to do on Sunday. They wind up posting up six scoreless innings against the Toronto Blue Jays of all teams after you wind up having Spencer Howard. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. Give you just an absolutely terrible start. I have no idea why he was ever so highly ranked with regards to some of these prospect rankings. We're going to move on because that's in the past now, but boy, oh boy, Spencer Howard is not a guy that you want to be betting on anytime soon until he winds up being able to show something of worth. But with that said, the Texas Rangers came in. They were able to do a solid job there. And guys like a Joe Barlow, who wound up having a sub two ERA last season, are actually relatively solid for this team. Now, I'm not saying that the Texas Rangers are like, Devin Williams and Josh Hader trustworthy or anything like that, but they're able to rely upon them a whole lot more than the Colorado Rockies because you've got someone like a Daniel Bard who at home, his ERA was hovering right around three on the road, right around eight-ish. It's just stark to be able to take a look at these home and road splits. Like, you even take a look at the bats. We wound up having Charlie Blackman hit all but two of his home runs at home last season. CJ Crone, he wound up having 28 home runs. He wound up having... 19 of those at home, and his on-base percentage wound up falling by nearly 100 points whenever he wound up leaving Coors Field. So you just take a look at that, and I think that you really need to be taking that into account. And I think that it's going to be another year in which we wind up seeing the Colorado Rockies, who were able to win a pair of games at home against the LA Dodgers, have a lot of what we wound up seeing last season. Very good performances at home, on the road, going to be a little bit tougher, especially when you don't wind up having that day of travel as well to be able to acclimate from elevation. So what I want to make in the DK Nation pick is the money line here with the Texas Rangers. And even though the Rangers have been able to bolster their lineup a little bit more, I'm going to be taking a look at an under as well, just because with the Rockies, they've just traditionally actually been a little bit more of an under team whenever they wind up hitting the road. And I think that they're going to wind up struggling with regards to the bats as well in this game. So we're looking under and we're going to be looking with the DK Nation pick at the Texas Rangers. And if you're looking at more interleague games, with regards to what we're going to be seeing on Monday in the MLB, this Brewers versus Orioles game is very interesting as you've got 969, 970 on the betting board. And we've actually seen a little bit of money come in on the Baltimore Orioles. Now it's starting to dissipate a little bit more here at Circa where I'm at. This has gotten up to minus 152 with the Milwaukee Brewers. Other places you're finding this anywhere between 
bought a minus 140 to a minus 145 opener was minus 150, which means that the take back on the Orioles, finding that a lot of places anywhere between plus 125, high mark is at circa plus 139, total of nine. And with Adrian Hauser, I think that he's going to be an interesting case study when it comes to what we're going to be able to get out of this Milwaukee Brewers team because Hauser is a guy that was able to do a very solid job last season for a Brewers team that they've got one of the best bullpens out there in baseball as well. As well. You did wind up seeing Brad Boxberger, Josh Hader, long Devin Williams all wind up getting used up on Sunday. But that said, that was the first time all season long they needed to be utilized. You could conceivably see at least one of those guys wind up being able to come back in this game. And you just take a look at the Baltimore Orioles. They're actually okay with regards to the bats. And you've got Trey Boomer Mancini. He was able to hit over 20 home runs last season. Guy that does a solid job of being able to reach base for you. And then you take a look at what you're able to get out of guys like Cedric Mullins, Ryan Mountcastle. They both wound up having north of 25 home runs. Did a solid job of being able to reach base. But I do take a look at what, what Hauser was able to do towards back half of last season. And it was absolutely magnificent for the team. You take a look from July on. So final... 13 appearances of the season wound up posting up a 2.16 ERA. Now, I don't think that this is sustainable, but gave up one home run and 66 and two-thirds innings. And speaking of home runs, when it comes to games in Baltimore, it's not going to be as much of a bandbox from last season as you're going to notice that the ballpark dimensions are a little bit different this season. And that is an important aspect to be able to take a look at as well, because when it comes to just Major League Baseball in general, you do want to be taking a look at things like wind. You do want to be taking a look at Things like, all right, is this going to be a little bit more favorable to lefty bats rather than righty bats? So you've got a lot of different aspects to be able to take a look at when it comes to sort of the splits that you do wind up seeing. And it is a little bit more of a trend-based sport as well. So I do think that once you wind up getting a relatively solid data set as well, because right now with us being three to four games into the season for a lot of these teams, not necessarily a lot to be able to take a look at. But once you wind up being able to go down in line, you're able to be able to identify this a little bit more. But with the Milwaukee Brewers, I've identified being a native of the great state of Wisconsin is that this is a team that they're going to need to get it done with pitching. So this could be a spot in which even though the money line's a little bit chalky with the Milwaukee Brewers, and even though they're on the road, so they're not going to be robbed of at-bats, might be wanting to look a little bit more at the money line because Christian Yelich, though, he wound up looking actually relatively solid in the first couple games in that series against the Chicago Cubs last few years. He has not been himself. Kessinira, who wound up showing some massive promise with the Milwaukee Brewers. He went from being Kesson Hip Hip Hira to Kesson Hip Hip Boo the last two seasons. I mean, he wound up hitting right around a buck 65 last season. You want absolutely no part of that, but this is a team that they still do have some good veteran leadership. They did wind up signing Andrew McCutcheon in the offseason, but with the Orioles, I do think that pushing back the fence, going to be hurting them a little bit. And then you got a guy in Bruce Zimmerman who he did wind up allowing a lot of his home runs at home. So I do think that that leads to a relatively solid shot here on the under at nine. I'd be willing to take a shot on the under and with the Brewers, just not really trusting in their bats in general. Going to be taking a look at them a little bit more on the money line. We wind up hitting on the Tuesday games with regards to the play-in tournament, with regards to the NBA. So coming up next, we're going to look at these Wednesday games right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. And we're back here on the look at with myself, Greg Eves Peterson, and we've been taking a look at a couple different things this last hour. We're going to be continuing the conversation in about 15 or so minutes with Holden Kushner with regards to the NBA postseason. 
going to look at more of the playing games this segment because he is out there in Denver. We're going to take a look at his thoughts on the Denver Nuggets entering into the postseason, what's all going to be happening with some of those top contenders. So we're going to hit that aspect. So we're going to be hitting upon more of the games that we're going to be seeing on Wednesday in this segment. And got to give a shout out to everyone that works behind the scenes here at VEASAN. I work with some of the best in the business. You've got my man Taylor, gets me all set up on audio. You've got Jason Kahn, my producer, does an absolutely amazing job there. For those of you guys that miss anything, vcin.com slash podcast. We've got you covered with every hour of what we wind up doing every single day. And Oliver, he is the man that winds up being able to headline that. And then you've got Andrew, who's our technical director. And I like Andrew because he is a native of the great state of Wisconsin, much like myself. So we can always relate to talking about great places to get cheese and everything like that. So that is always a great luxury to have in studio. All these guys, they do absolutely amazing work. So a big thanks to them. And just everything that they wind up doing because I'm very lucky to be able to work with them and we are very lucky that we're able to talk about sports as well I always take a look at people they say oh you're up very early and everything like that is it's something in which you wind up regretting it a little bit and it's like well I get to talk about sports for a living it certainly beats like some sort of a nine-to-five desk job I don't know what I would do with myself it certainly beats just not being able to do what I love in general so it is always a lot of fun, and it's a lot of fun to be able to take a look at what we're getting in the NBA because now the postseason has started. Well, technically, the playing tournament. I consider it all the postseason personally, though, as we've got the Hornets and the Atlanta Hawks. We're going to be doing battle on Wednesday, 505-506. If you're looking at rotation numbers, Hawks are finding themselves a four-and-a-half point favorite, and your total is anywhere between 238 and 238.5. And and intriguing one because you've got a Charlotte Hornets team that they have been one of the more explosive offenses out there in the NBA. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. What we've been able to see out of LaMelo Ball in his first two years, I don't think a lot of people wound up seeing coming. I thought that he was going to be able to be a solid pro. I thought that he was going to be able to come in and make an impact. But what he's been able to do in general has just been absolutely amazing to take a look at. Then you've got the Atlanta Hawks, and obviously Ice Trey is a guy that winds up headlining this team, one of the best peer shooters that you're going to find in the NBA. But what really goes under the radar with Trey Young is that we always take a look at the shimmy that he winds up having with all his buried threes and everything like that. And though he is going to be committing a couple more turnovers than you'd like, the way that he's able to find people out there in space, the way that he's able to dole out the ball has just been absolutely terrific. But what I think is going to be important in this game is a battle down low because the Hornets, they really don't have a guy that gives you north of eight rebounds per game. Meanwhile, Clint Capella, he's going to be able to dominate the glass. And on top of what Clint Cabela is able to do on the glass, he keeps possessions alive with nearly four offensive rebounds per game. I think that that is going to be absolutely critical for the Atlanta Hawks going up against the Hornets team that they're not necessarily great on defense to start with. And when you wind up having second and third chances, wind up getting thrown into the fold as well. That is certainly going to be setting the scene behind the eight ball. And then you take a look at just what you've been able to get out of this Hornets team. And I mean, Miles Bridges, what more can be said about him? The fact that he's been able to give you a little bit over 20 points per contest has really been a godsend for this team. Now, they have been dealing with a couple of ailments throughout the season, but by and large, they've been able to form a lot of chemistry. Terry Rozier, after he wanted missing the first couple games of the season, wanted coming back and coming out in full force. Now, what also winds up setting the Hornets a little bit back is the fact that Jason Hayward has been dealing with that foot issue. So that is just not what you want to be seeing in general because he is going to be out for this game. If the Hornets do wind up advancing past the play-in, I would think that he'd probably be available maybe towards the back half of that series because they're saying it's going to be right around a two-week injury. But 
That's certainly going to be hurting them in this game. Then you take a look at the Atlanta Hawks, and I think that this is a Hawks team that they've got a little bit more versatility than a lot of people like to be able to give them credit for. You take a look at the fact that John Collins has been out, and that's been a little bit of an issue, but I do love what you're able to get out of someone like a Boyan Bogdanovich. He winds up going a little bit under the radar. Guy that's able to give you 15 points per contest at six foot six does a nice job being able to space out the floor, a good three-point shooter, and has really been playing his best recently as well. Last 10 games, he's been able to shoot 44% from three-point range. So he's been able to do a nice job being able to give this team a little bit of an outside force. Now, with regards to the total, I do think that it should be set very high. I mentioned it with Hornets. Lack of defense there, obviously. The Hawks, they are not the team that is going to be number one with regards to many defensive metrics with regards to the NBA as well. But I think you maybe went a little bit too far. If you like the over, I would say maybe do what I wound up talking about a little bit earlier with regards to maybe taking a look at an in-game number. You wind up getting both of these teams throwing up a couple bricks at the beginning of the game. You wind up having that 238 fall down to maybe like a 231, 232. Perhaps you're even able to get it a little bit lower. Then you wind up starting to have a little bit of value. But with the Hornets dealing with the injury, with the Hornets dealing with the injuries that they do, I do think that Atlanta has a good shot of being able to cover this game. And you just take a look at the way that the Hawks were able to put it together in the postseason last year as well. I think that that's very big against a Hornets team that they just don't have as much postseason experience and you even take a look at someone like a Kevin Herter who we wound up seeing him really have his moments in that series against the Philadelphia 76ers last season as well has been I would say a little bit underachieving this year I was hoping that he'd be able to bust out a little bit more than he did but that said I do think that the postseason experience going to be big for the Atlanta Hawks the injury to Hayward certainly going to be setting Charlotte a little bit behind the eight ball so I do actually like the four and a half year that we've got with the Atlanta Hawks and then the other game that we're going to be seeing on Wednesday with regards to this playing tournament, that would be the San Antonio Spurs, along with what you're going to be able to get out of New Orleans. The Pelicans of New Orleans find themselves a five-point favorite in your total on this game, 229.5. And, and we've seen one of the bigger turnarounds that we've seen in quite a while with regards to Pelicans. And it does help that they were able to add some pieces at the trade deadline. And you take a look at the San Antonio Spurs. I never thought we would see a day in which a Greg Popovich coach team would be quite here. But the one thing that they really do have going for them is DeJounte Murray. I just take a look at the way that he's been able to play, and I feel like he's really been one of the more underrated players in all of college or in all of basketball because you take a look at his college days, and when I was over there with Washington, a guy that, I mean, he was okay, but you never really expected him to become this big of a statue sufferer. A guy that is able to give you 21 points, 8.5 boards, 9.5 assists per game, and he really does it all. Now, the one liability with him is that the three-point shot has not necessarily been prevalent with him, but Coming into this playing game, it's actually been at its best all season long. Shooting right around 43.5% from three last three weeks or so, that has been very beneficial for the team. And for the San Antonio Spurs, a key for them has been having Jakob Hurdle out there on the floor. When Jakob Hurdle has been out there because he did wind up missing quite a bit of time this season, right around 15 or so games, this was not the same team defensively as with him out there on the floor. A seven-footer that's able to give you nine and a half boards per game does a good job of being able to protect the rim. And then you take a look at this Pelicans bunch, and obviously they've dealt with their ailments as well. Look no further than Zion Williamson missing darn near the entirety of the season. That has been obviously something that has wound up hurting this Pelicans team. But you take a look past that, and what has really been beneficial to them is the way that Jose Alvarado has been able to play. A guy that I always liked back when he was at Georgia Tech because he was that ultimate defender, guy that wouldn't bury a lot of threes or anything like that, and that is translated to the NBA, but certainly a guy that he would get up in your grill. He's not necessarily going to do a lot of flashy things, but he's going to do a lot of 
just winning plays in general, for lack of a better term. And he's really been able to give a little bit of grit to this New Orleans team. Now, you take a look at what you're able to get outside of that. He does a good job of being able to spell some minutes for CJ McCollum, which we've seen him ever since the trade to Portland, which, boy, I mean, some of those numbers that you want to see on Portland towards the back half of the season, those were just absolutely ridiculous. But ever since the trade, about 25 or so games, averaging 25 points per contest. Now, he's had to do a little bit more doling out of the ball than he wound up doing at Portland because he's a little bit more of the man because he could always default to Damian Lillard a little bit more while he was at Portland, but has done a good job of being a little bit more of a ball-dominant guy. And the three-point shot has not necessarily faltered throughout his career, so he's been right around at 39, 39.5% three-point shooter and with New Orleans, right around 39, 40% from three-point range, so that is something that you like seeing out of him as well. I think that it's fascinating to see what you're going to be able to get out of some of the big men in this game as well, because I mentioned Jakob Hurdle, guy that has really been able to have a big impact with the San Antonio Spurs when he's on the floor versus when he's off the floor. And what I think is going to be intriguing to take a look at is what are you going to be able to get moving forward out of someone like a Jonas Valanciunas if he's able to play in this game because he was limited to just six minutes in that game against the Memphis Grizzlies. He wanted being held out in the team's most recent game as well. So that is a issue that you want to be taking a look at. I would think that Valanciunas is probably going to be a go, even if he's not necessarily fully at 100%, but you do want to be checking in on his status because if he's not able to go down low, it's going to be a little bit more of a slog going up against the San Antonio Spurs. So if you're having a little bit of a holdup with this one, no, there's no shame in waiting on this one as well because you did wind up seeing a couple openers of five and a half, and now you're seeing in most spots this number being a five. So I do think that that, number has been taken in or that injury has been taken into account a little bit with regards to this number as well so I would say maybe wait for a little bit more information this is a game that's going to be going down on Wednesday so you should be able to get a little bit more moving forward with regards to this as well so that's what I'd be taking a look at as well if Valanciunas is able to go I think that it gives you a little bit more of an edge with the Pelicans but obviously you want to be trying to do all your due diligence if at all humanly possible and when it comes to Western Conference a man that does a great job of being able to take a look at it. That'd be Holden Kushner. He does the Denver City cast for us over here at Beeson. So coming up next, we're going to be taking a look at the outlook of the Nuggets and just the landscape of the Western Conference right here on Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. And we're back here on the look at on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. And it is great to be joined by our guest as Holden Kushner does absolutely amazing work over here at VSIN as he does our city cast for the city of Denver. And obviously, when it comes to Denver, we've got a lot going on there with the Denver Nuggets. They have in all likelihood, with regards to the betting odds, the MVP in Nikolai Jokic will be finding about that in the next few weeks. But what we do know is that the Nuggets are going to be in the postseason. They're going to be taking the floor within the next few days. And we also know that Holden's Twitter handle, that is at Holden Radio. And it's great to be, it's great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you. Of course, it's good to talk with you, Mr. Peterson. It's just been a wonderful afternoon and evening for me, hanging out in the mountains of Colorado, watching the Rockies take out the Dodgers. I mean, the Nuggets are going to be steamrolling into the playoffs here. The Avalanche, maybe the best team in the National Hockey League. We got Russell Wilson in Denver. Things are going very well here in town, my friend. Oh, absolutely. And 
the weather is always very nice as well when it comes to this time of year as well. So that's another nice aspect of things as the Denver Nuggets looks like they're up by double figures against the LA Lakers. So they should be able to take care of their business when it comes to being able to shore up the postseason and the Jazz well. They just completely steamrolled the Portland Trailblazers. So if you were looking for an upset there, well, you're going to be very disappointed as the Trailblazers wind up putting up 56 points in the first three quarters. So that's just really, really sad basketball right there that we wound up seeing for Portland. So fortunately, we won't have to watch them in the postseason. But taking a look at the Western Conference landscape, I do think that it's going to be intriguing to see what we wind up getting in these first few rounds because no doubt the Phoenix Suns, they wind up entering into the Western Conference as a favorite, rightfully so. Only team to be able to win north of 60 games this season, but there are quite a few competitive teams in this one. The the Golden State Warriors are a team that I've been bullish on all season. They've had to deal with some ailments, but I love what I've seen out of them. And then with the Nuggets, Nikolai Jokic has had one of the greatest runs we've ever seen from a player within like the last three or so weeks. And though the Nuggets are the sixth seed, I do think that they're going to be able to make some noise if Jokic could continue to play the way that he is. Well, that'll be the interesting question. Now they're getting a couple guys back. They're getting Zeke Naji back. Couple of uh, they had a couple of other injuries besides for the big ones with Porter Jr. and uh, Jamal Murray, and those two guys are not walking through that door. So that's the first thing. The second thing, I'm I'm fascinated. This this is a Golden State team that was not you know terrific down the stretch. It's a Denver team that continues just to defy odds. I, I know Michael Malone gets a lot of, just a lot of criticism okay, for his rotations. He's a hell of a coach though, to get this team to 48 and what 49 and 33 to get them into the playoffs this season. Um, because earlier in the year, we were talking, maybe playing, maybe a playing game, but no, most of the credit goes to Jokic as well. It should. Here's my concern. What we saw down the stretch when, teams were actually playing actual players and not just their backups in the games where they were playing teams with something to play for the nuggets would have Jokic. Jokic would be forced to score and rebound. They want to take his playmaking ability away from them. That's the biggest difference between him and Embiid and just about everybody else. So, oh, Embiid's got all these double doubles. Yeah, but he doesn't facilitate like Nikola Jokic. The whole offense goes through him what I've seen a little bit more of down the stretch here, Greg, we've seen these teams say, okay, you know what? He's going to get his 40 and 15, but if he doesn't get those nine assists, then we're going to be in pretty good shape. And I've seen that. And I wonder if that is going to be a challenge for the nuggets and are they going to be able to solve that in a seven game series? Do I think they can win a seven game series against Golden State? Yes. Wouldn't shock me, but it could be a one and done. Yep. I think that that series is going to be very intriguing. And then, you take a look at the other series that we know is going to be going down in the Western Conference. That would be the Mavericks versus the Jazz. And as we've been doing the show, we wound up seeing Luka Doncic go down for an injury. Now, we have no idea how severe the injury is. It looks like it's some sort of a leg injury. It looks a little bit more like a calf. I am not a doctor. I will not pretend to play one on TV slash radio as well. But with that said, we know that Luka Doncic wound up going down with an injury in the last day of the season. And I think that that's going to be very big because the Utah Jazz if you were betting on them in a game-by-game basis against the spread, you wound up losing a whole bunch of money. It's been a jazz team that's been a little bit interesting for them. They dominated their division, and any games outside the division did not wind up going well for them. And I like the way the Mavericks were looking, but I think that this Luka Doncic injury is going to mean everything with regards to the series. They're dead without him, right? I think everybody yeah. would agree with that. Maybe they'd pull off a couple of games in a series 
uh, even against the team in what Utah, which has been struggling lately, but yeah, we just got to figure out what it is with him. Um, the, the reports that I, we're seeing on Twitter with the blue check marks, he has a calf strain and, and that's it. So people are going to overreact to it. Uh, if I were the Mavericks, I would not let anybody really know how Luke is doing. I'd let him come out, uh, out of the locker room in game number one and just go what he needs to do. But he hobbled off the floor by himself. So that's one thing. If Luke is in there, yes, you've got to like what you're seeing um, out of the Mavericks because he is one of the four most valuable players in the league as well. The other side with the Jazz, like if Luca is good to go and if Luca is um, – if, if, if he's just even 80% of what he is, have you checked out what the problem with the jazz has been down the stretch? It's like two straight years. They're just playing awful, awful basketball um, shot 43%, 22% behind the arc. Again, today they've had some major issues there uh, defensively, some problems. If Luca's in there, you got to go with Luca. Uh, no question about it. If he's out, I mean, the jazz have not been playing good basketball down the stretch. So could there be an upset? Yes, but you're right. It's all about the Luka. we got to figure out how he's feeling. Yep, with Luka Doncic, a lot of the offense does wind up flowing through him, so that's going to be a big part of it as well. Now, the good news is you've been having Kristaps Porzingis being able to come. You've been having that Kristaps Porzingis trade just not wind up necessarily hurting this team as much as you'd like to think. So they've had guys like Jalen Brunson being able to come in, do a solid job, Dorian Finney-Smith. He's been able to come in. He's been solid as well. So you've had the ancillary pieces for the Mavericks be able to step up as well. But how much of that is Luka Doncic being able to feed them the ball with right around nine assists per game as well. So I think that that is going to be fascinating to take a look at. And obviously when it comes to the best team out there in the West, that'd be the Phoenix Suns. In a lot of books, you're finding them barely at plus money with regards to odds to be able to win the Western Conference. They are very clearly the favorite to be able to make the finals and be able to win the finals. But how much are you looking at the sun team of being able to do so make it back to back? Because I feel like a lot of people want to poo pooing their run that they want to make into the finals last season, proclaiming that they got lucky with all the injuries, things like that. And with the suns, they've been able to show this year that it's been no fluke. And with having Chris Paul back in the fold, I think that it's really hard to bet against them with regards to being able to make it back to the finals. I just don't know who's going to beat them is the thing. So listen, the warriors picked up a couple wins here late, but again, you know, this team, they've got to have 100% Steph Curry, Draymond's back. They have the pedigree in the postseason. But if you said here, Suns Warriors, who are you taking? I mean, the Suns, to me, in a five or six, probably six-game series there. The Grizzlies, I'm not totally buying into. We just talked about the Mavericks. Luka could carry his team a couple of uh, a couple of rounds. I don't think the Jazz, the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Timberwolves, the Pelicans, the Spurs, to me, none of those teams are, are really going to make the big push. Who would give them the best shot? If I guess if Luca was healthy, maybe the Grizzlies, but this team is so deep, man. Devin Booker, and they had no Chris Paul for how long? A few weeks. Um, Aiton back and healthy now. I, I, the, the two Cam's. Cam Payne, <clears throat> here's another guy uh, this season that we saw kind of break through. He's playing 20, you know, 17, 20 minutes a game. He's helping uh, fill up the stat sheet. I, I, I love these Suns this year. I wasn't that high in them last year, to be honest with you. I didn't think they'd make the run they did. Uh, they're in a great spot right now. Even JaVale McGee, JaVale McGee, um, <clears throat> who was there. <laughs> I can't stand JaVale McGee, by the way. Uh, even he's, he's put up some games. So, Peterson, it's got to be the Suns, right? Heavily favored, and that's how we got to look at it. Yep, I am right there with you, and. 
Holden, we've got about 90 seconds left. I know I, you said it at the top. You're amped up for some Colorado Rockies baseball. How do you wind up taking a look at this team? Because I always look at them as being a very different team, home to road. They were able to take a few games from the LA Dodgers. Now they wind up going to Texas on Monday. I think that this is a classic spot where hopefully you want to making some money at Coors and hopefully you look to fade them in Texas. Bet, I just, before we came on, uh, bet the Rockies team total under four and a half, minus 117. Uh, you go look back at the numbers, this team going from Coors on the road, the first game coming off of Coors, it's not good. Uh, more often than not, you're going to win this bet going under. So I'll just give you that right now. They go from altitude. Now they're going to a place where it's not that easy to hit. 26 and 54 on the road. The Rockies were last season. And that's with a nice run in the second half of the season on the road as well. But a man that is always on a nice run home road, neutral court. This guy always is delivering. That'd be you Holden. Always great to get you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Greg. Take care, pal. Holden does absolutely terrific work with the Denver city cast. And we've got city cast for so many different cities, Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, You've got the Philadelphia one as well. And Ryan Rossing, he does that one. He is going to be joining me in the final hour of the look at. So big thanks to Holden for joining me right here on the look at it. Coming up next, we are going to be taking a look at a little bit of baseball right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. If you, if you, 